0: Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a special edition of the On Giants podcast, part of the On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I am really excited about this show. I have on the line with me Jeff Lloyd. He is the host of the Lockdown Browns podcast, and we're going to do something a little different, a little special today. We are going to revisit the historic trades last year between the Giants and the Browns, the Giants sending Odell Beckham Jr., Olivier Vernon to the Browns, getting in return to Peppers, Kevin Zeitler, and two draft picks, number 17 overall, which turned into Dexter Lawrence second, and number 95 overall, which turned into O'Shane Zimenez. So before we jump into that, first, let me welcome Jeff to the podcast.
1: Ah, hi, Patricia. How are you? Um, yeah, and it's actually funny. There's um, there's a lot here, um, and we're going to get to it here, even Giants and Browns ties over the last few days. And it kind of it, – it'll make for an interesting storyline when um, these two teams meet uh, in 2020. Um, and you never know with the names involved, the storylines involved. Could be talking possible primetime affair.
0: Yeah, I would not be surprised. I'm actually counting on it. So, you know let. Let's start off with kind of like revisiting the last few days and just the history that's kind of developed between these two teams. Now, obviously, um, this goes back to last year, Dave Gettleman, John Dorsey. John Dorsey is no longer with the Browns. um, So I don't know what kind of history they're going to have moving forward. But let's kind of revisit where, you know, how we kind of got to this point.
1: Uh, yeah. And you know, look, obviously those two gentlemen were close. Um, obviously the first deal went down, I guess it was probably a third, I think it was a Friday. Cause I even think we spoke that day. Um, when it was actually Kevin Zeitler's ver- birthday and he found out while he was in the movies, um, <laughs> through Twitter that he'd been traded to the New York giants. Um, Olivier Vernon came this way. Kevin was a fan favorite here in Cleveland. Everybody loved him. Um, John Dorsey never liked the salary that he, Kevin Zeitler was making, even if he was one of the best at his position in the league. Um, He valued obviously edge players more. Um, Olivia came over and for the time Olivia was healthy, Olivia was playing very well. Cleveland fans get misunderstood. Sometimes they just look at numbers and obviously you guys know what the Giants, Olivia Vernon. Yes. Sometimes the numbers are there, but sometimes guys are good just for doing their assignment. And, you know, obviously, you know, This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to set the edge. That running back's not allowed to get, you know, cannot get around you. This is what Olivier did. And when the whole Miles Garrett incident went down, it was, well, you know, this is terrible. But Olivier Vernon's a pretty good player. Um, Olivier had an injury at the time. It never got right. He suited up twice over the, the, you know, for the rest of the season. Was never the same. And then they were down to playing street free, free agents. Olivier's got no more guaranteed money coming. 15 million on the books this year. It's going to be interesting how this new regime views him because he's still a solid core player that does his assignment. Question is going to be what's best for Olivier money-wise and what are the Browns going to look at what's best for them?
0: With Olivier, it's interesting because when he was with the Giants, good guy always did his job, you know, worked hard. But unfortunately after being a solid player, you know, injury-wise with Miami, Injuries just kind of did him in. And then the other problem with Olivier Vernon when he was with the Giants was that he was always, you know, paid like a number one, a true, you know, difference maker if you will I don't think he ever was really that he was more of a a support type of player a guy who had his really his best season when he had a, a dominant force on the opposite end of him and I think that was kind of the case uh with Cleveland if I'm not mistaken too you know you had Miles Garrett you know who sometimes would draw the double team and then you know Vernon would would have solo opportunities but still you look at the production he had for Cleveland um you know, injury aside, I, I got to imagine it's very disappointing. And, and, you know, I think you might be right. I, I can't imagine, you know, the next GM, whoever that might be, agreeing to pay him his full salary given the production of the last couple of years.
1: Well, and that's the funny and the funny and the interesting thing is because, you know, where the Browns seem to be going very analytic based. Every now and then you get players that create an analytical problem. You look at a player like Olivier Vernon. What do you want analytically? You want players who grade out well, who do their assignment. But the other thing is you have to look at the analytics of the money to said player. Um, and that's where it could maybe be an issue. They have a bunch of holes otherwise. Um, the D-line, they never had depth going in. They haven't had depth since I've covered this team. And once they got a couple of injuries and a suspension to Miles Garrett – you're playing two street free agents. Um, you're supposed to rely on your draft picks. Well, they had a rookie, a good rookie D end in 2018. They traded him away in 2019, so they couldn't go to him. They kept a tight end who they. I mean, they kept the defensive end who they drafted higher than Jaden Avery and Chad Thomas. That's never worked out. So the question would be: Is you know how are you going to address some of these other holes if you move on from Olivier Vernon? The other question could be: Is hey for the 15 million you're on the hook for, We're on the hook for this year. How about we do a two-year, $20 million deal with 13 guaranteed over two? You know, Olivier may be in the point of his career where it's maybe the time to, to talk about a restructure. Um, as it maybe going out on the open market, you know, he's already gotten his real big payday. So that'll be the question because they need the player. The last thing the Browns need are more holes on this roster. They have more holes now than they did one year ago. And it's going to be tough for a new administration to fill all of this in one year. And you're getting closer and closer to where you're going to lose the window on these rookie contracts on Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield. And there's not going to be much money left after that.
0: Now, from the Giants' perspective, the fact that Dave Gettleman was actually, you know, from what I understand, he was getting ready to cut Olivier Vernon a year ago. The fact that he was able to get Kevin Zeitler, who at the time was pro football Focus's top rated guard, a solid guy, a warrior, um, from what I understand, a very popular player out in Cleveland. He was also a very popular player here with the Giants, the guy who just came to work, blue collar mentality, did his thing. You know, from a Giants perspective, I, I got to say, if you know, and if you remember that that trade originally was Vernon straight up for, for Zeitler, I think if you're talking about who won that trade, I, you got to go with the Giants on that one. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Well, if you end up with a starting player that, you know, played, you know, obviously most of the year and Vernon, that's always kind of been the hiccup is, you know, how many games is he maybe going to miss? And, and like you said about Kevin, um, you know, Kevin had been on the show with me. You know, I, I talked with Kevin, I talked with his wife. Just fantastic people, great people. He, there's you know there's about maybe a two to three percent of the entire you know NFL player population that you can just talk to and get a feel of that there is literally nothing else in their life but their job and they take it as such. And he, obviously you see you know him and his wife are on vacation. you know, first thing he's doing is looking for a place he can get a little work in. Where's the gym in relation to the hotel we're staying at? Uh, there's very few that are like that. a lot of guys like to get away from it as far as possible. Kevin's never been that guy. Obviously, Kevin being a little bit younger, um, obviously healthier. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, if that's the part of the deal you want to look at, but I mean, look, Patty, you wanted to be talking about games this time of year. I wanted to be talking about games this time of year. Um, Browns are drafting tenth. <laughs> Giants are drafting in the top five. Whether or not it was officially one, hmm, that's going to be <laughs> that, that's an interesting one. It was just a unique change of dynamic and players, and you know. But as far as you know the better player in 2019 Kevin Snyder was definitely a better player than Olivia Ingram
0: True point you know obviously we, the winning the trade is you you probably can't really fully judge the trade until it's it's 3 years in but in t- based on the first year you know the Giants were able to get a little bit more out of Kevin Zeitler, he performed at a high level, even came in, took a, a little bit of a salary cut, uh, or not a cut, a restructure, I think, which helped the cap. And uh, I think going forward, if if I had to take a guess, and I don't you know if you will agree or not, Zeitler will probably be with the Giants in 2019. I don't know necessarily if Vernon will be with the Browns in 2019. What are your thoughts there?
1: Uh, I, would, uh, I would absolutely agree with you. There's a, you know a, a much stronger – Chance. I mean, I don't think Kevin Zeitler's going anywhere um, with Vernon. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's change with the Giants, but not change as far as general manager. So it was the move he made. Um, all that stuff has changed here in Cleveland. And the fact that there is no more guaranteed money for Olivier Vernon, it's going to come down to whether or not Olivier wants to stay, how they want to work this out, and how much the Browns analytical department views his worth to this team. Uh, it's not a huge class as far as edge rushers this year in the draft. So that may tip the hand in favor for Olivier Vernon, but 50-50 sounds like a cop-out, but I'll go 60-40 that maybe he's not here in 2020.
0: Okay, fair enough. And, uh, you know, just one other thing about, you know, Zeitler, and, and it's interesting because we talk about the shared recent history, if you will, with the two teams, Cleveland landing, Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach, that I desperately wanted the Giants to to hire. Um, obviously, when Jason Garrett was hired, I guess the two of them had a little bit of a history in Dallas and it just wasn't going to come to fruition. But how much of a, of, of a win is that, do you think, for Cleveland versus how much of a loss would it be for the Giants?
1: Um, Well, it was interesting because you know there were rumors that Callahan was interested, and now obviously you're talking about a guy who's coached in the Super Bowl. um, You know, ended up finishing uh, last season as you know the Redskins' uh, you know head coach after they moved on from Jay Gruden. But once um, in, (laughs) for me, I I know the Garrett family well. Uh, Jason's brother John is actually the one who taught me how to run routes in high school. They have big ties to the Jersey Shore um, back in the day, so. I mean, I'm happy he's able to bounce back on his feet this quickly. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, mostly on Ohio kid, but there are strong Jersey roots within Jason Garrett. Uh, so to see him get that opportunity, but that the second it came down and, and you know, knowing Dallas folks and knowing the situation, it was like, wow, Bill Callahan, he's not going to go there. They, they, it just didn't end well. Uh, Bill Callahan has, is a strong man, had a lot of faith in what he was doing there. Jason Garrett kept calling a run game that didn't necessarily coincide with what Bill Callahan preached, and Bill's been a run game coordinator. So that situation just just did not end on good terms. For Cleveland, why I like this so much is not only are you getting a top-five offensive line coach, and you've got a second-year right guard, most likely you're going to draft two to three more offensive linemen. You've got a really good center. You've got a really good left guard. But you're going to want a teacher. You're going to want a mentor of this room. You're going to want a guy who's going to shape people. And most likely, some of these guys that they're going to draft, they may not be the old school beat them up left tackle, right tackle from back in the day. They might be more athletic guys that are going to need some more technique and refinement within that technique where a guy like Callahan comes in. The other thing that I do like is you have a man who's been in the league for over 20 years. He's been a head coach. He's head coached in the Super Bowl. And you've got a rookie head coach. There's somebody, this is what Freddie, Steve Wilkes coached a year, but it's not like him and Freddie had a relationship before that. You want somebody for your rookie head coach to at least to go to and say, you know, hey, all right, this is something I'm having a hard time with. Why aren't these guys getting this? Or what do you think about this, Bill? And I do I like him as, you know, essentially a, you know, somebody that Kevin Stefanski can go to who's been in the job before. So that along with he's excellent in his job, he's going to have young players that are going to need some help, need some development, need some technique work. And he can also kind of be that lean on if Kevin Stefanski needs him.
0: All right. Now let's turn our attention to the big trade, the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Now this one absolutely rocked the Giants nation to the core. (laughs) Odell sent to Cleveland for Jabril Peppers and two draft picks, number 17 overall, Number ninety-five overall, the Giants turned those into Dexter Lawrence, second at defensive tackle, and edge rusher O'Shane Zimenez. Now let's talk a little bit about Odell and his odyssey in Cleveland. There were some odyssey things that work. were there were some <laughs> things said about uh, uh, you know I, I believe Beckham said something to the effect of that he thought the Giants sent him to Cleveland to die. Just what's it been like to have him in Cleveland and, you know, has, has it been as wild as it looks as the outside and as we remember it here?
1: Um, well, obviously, you know, as, as all my listeners know, I'm a New Jersey resident. So, you know, it's not like getting to cover Odell is any different. It's not like it's anything I've seen. I've, I've loved Odell from the second I saw him as a prospect coming out of LSU, obviously back in 2014. And yeah, there's so much that comes to it. And, you know, look, media sometimes certainly can be guilty of it. And there's certain media here in Cleveland. They'd rather talk about everything they possibly can off the field as opposed to anything they can on the field. So those things get pushed up. Um, The fact that he was missing practices. Oh, that was a big one. OTAs. You know how that one goes with Odell Patricia. Oh, no. OTAs. Um, That's always a big one. Um, Look, he is the lightning rod. The fact that this team didn't start well certainly didn't help things the set, week two of the Monday night game against the jets catches a big touchdown eighty nine yards everything's great, but with odell it's it's literally like a it's a thermometer there's either a fever or there's not in anything that he does. No success didn't help the fact that as the weeks went on and you saw it first with Jarvis Landry, then you saw it with Odell in week seventeen guys can't be fooled like they they know what a good coach is, and they know what one that isn't. And when it gets to the point where, you know, you're literally pointing at the field and saying, well, we should be doing this and everybody knows, and you can just see it's over for the situation the way it was. Um, you know, the whole butt slap thing at the national championship game. I mean, <laughs> stuff like that, that doesn't do Odell any favors um, because you just find to get yourself into look, granted it's, it's Thankfully, it's not in the back of a police car, bad, but you get yourself in these situations where, you know, and, and players are famous for the, uh, please, you know, keep my name out of your mouth. Well, it's kind of hard to, when you keep getting yourself in these, you know, awkward, sometimes dumb situations, eh, you know, handing out money to guys that are essentially amateur athletes, you know, stuff of that nature. And oh it's it's not going to change um for the most part. it seems these guys are content and seem to be really interested in what's going on with this new staff with this new uh, regime up top so it's going to be interesting, but oh God it, until you truly are in it, yes, uh the Odyssey and the day to day of what Odell is, and it was every practice it would be here 's your Odell moment one handed catch and then know two hours later it'd be something negative about him or you know it's there may not be a bigger lightning rod who's not a quarterback in the NFL than Odell Beckham
0: yeah and and, you know he's a good guy you know I, I have nothing but good things to say about him he was a lightning rod he often became the story he became a distraction in the locker room one of the reasons why Dave Gettleman moved on from him now you guys in giving up Jabril Peppers how much did Cleveland missed Jabril Peppers in their
1: defense? This is, this is where it's actually kind of funny because when Steve Wilkes was introduced as a new defensive coordinator in his opening press conference, like one of the players, obviously Miles, Miles Garrett was one. He was a big fan of Joe Schubert in the production. He gave it the linebacker position. But uh, you know, Steve Wilkes, who loves to play three safeties, the big nickel, Jabril was the guy. This was literally the guy that was going to be the third safety. You could play him up against the line. You can use him to cover some tight ends and cover some backs in man-to-man. He was getting better in deeper zone. And it was just so, you know, you had your defense coordinator speak so highly of this player that he was looking forward to use. And then not even a month later, guess what? He's gone. And they ended up bringing in, you know, uh, Jermaine Whitehead, which turned out terribly. And he started blasting away through social media on reporters, on fans. Um, He only had one decent game. It was at Baltimore. He looked like a star that day, but other times he played every down of the year and was, I, I believe, by PFF standards, he was like the 103rd worst safety, best safety in the NFL, 103rd I think was of there. So he wasn't very good. Uh, Morgan Burnett came over uh, from Pittsburgh. He actually played pretty well until that same Thursday night game. He blew out his Achilles. Demarius Randall, he just didn't have a good year at the safety position. And he was on a contract year and even got himself suspended for the the big second uh, game in in Pittsburgh. So all of these guys who were they were counting on. And so by you know week 12, week 13, they're playing their sixth and seventh safeties. Losing Peppers was probably a bigger blow than people realized at the time. And even now, I mean, if you could say, wow, I would really like to have Jabril Peppers here, who would be the best safety on this team, hands down. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to look back on.
0: What about in terms of the two draft picks? Do you, you know, there was some debate here in New York that the Giants got fleeced, that they didn't get enough in return for Beckham. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I mean, you know, you look at, obviously, the first-round pick, which they turned into Dexter Lawrence, who turned into be a, a pretty solid player for them. O'Shane Ziminez, you know, showing potential, still has has to, you know, a ways to go before he hits the ceiling and Jabril Peppers. I mean, how much do you think the Browns could have really used that those draft picks?
1: The question would have been, how would they have used them? Um, the Um You know, obviously they went with Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard for the second straight year at the tackle positions. Just didn't work out. Um Greg isn't a good enough pass blocker. Chris Hubbard is just, just not good enough. He's average at best. And either way, um, the question would have been, could you have gotten a tackle at that spot? And at the time going into uh, towards the end of the 18 season, you know, us Browns fans, we were really excited about Rashard Higgins as a wide receiver. We were really excited about Antonio Callaway. We really liked what Rashard Perriman had done to resurrect his career. Obviously Jarvis was Jarvis. Um, So you go out and you make the move for Odell, which you can't totally put it down in any way. Um, And the thing is, is, the problem is, is the offense didn't do what the offense was supposed to do. The browns had the fifth most money tied up into their defense in twenty nineteen so it's not like they didn't feel they had you know put a lot put a lot of effort into their defense. Question would have been whether whether it was Odell or a tackle. Obviously, you thought your offense was going to be able to score enough that it wasn't going to be the issue it was, and eventually it got into the hands of guys who just you know couldn't get the max out of it, and that's where it hurt like that, and it's funny because there's a certain Browns faction who talk about moving on from Odell and, oh, we'll just move and get a first round pick. I don't think he can get a first round pick for Odell Beckham Jr. Right now. A number one, he's coming off a a surgery that he just had yesterday. A number two, the production was down. Obviously you can equate that to the injury. A number three, once it gets talking about a guy on his third stop, then the question isn't is, well, is it that franchise? Is it that franchise by that third possible team and having to move on again, the question becomes more and more on the player. And, you know, yes, 27. No, he's not old, but I can go draft a 21-year-old wide receiver in round one, and I'll have him on one full five-year contract before I've even got to talk close to paying the money that Odell Beckham's making now. Uh, I think, you know, the, I think the giant. I don't want to say they got fleeced. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the picks they made. Lawrence obviously graded well. Um, the production wasn't as, you know, as great, but, you know, the grade-wise and the assignment-wise – he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, they put in good pieces of the Giants. Uh, obviously you're going to need another year or two. but I think I think the name Odell Beckham Jr. carries more weight than I think people believe his value is around the league.
0: With that said, if Cleveland does move on from Odell, whether it be a cut via trade, whatever, would it be safe to say at that point that the Giants won that trade? Oh
1: yeah. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I don't, I don't see Cleveland moving on from them and I, I just see with Stefanski and you look at Thielen, you look at Diggs out in Minnesota, obviously they know how no know way to make this work. And if anything, maybe, you know, even if it would be a trade, but the problem is, is you are not going to get a big enough return for the potential of what a healthy Odell can do. You still got North of 80 catches. He still got a thousand yards. it in mind he could only practice on Fridays, knowing he was injured. And the one thing that did impress me, and you know, Odell gets his knocks here for whatever reason. Odell could have easily said week thirteen or fourteen, guys. It's it. I can't. I'm, my body's shot. I can't do it. This is how bad the injury is. He walked around with it for six months. He finished it out. I mean, you got to give the guy some credit for that. He did finish it out. You know, and here it is, not even two and a half weeks. Postseason, He did have to end up having the surgery. So it, moving on from him, I don't see just because, I mean, you know, nobody's going to, you know, change in something to get, you know, five cents on the dollar.
0: All right. That's uh, the Browns perspective on the big, trades made last year and and again to reiterate you probably do want to wait another year or two before you fully graded but uh great perspective from jeff we're going to take a break and when we come back flip the switch so stay with us okay so this segment uh, if you want to use for your show uh you're welcome to do it how if you want to start in with a new uh you know, a new intro, however you want to do it. And, and I'm happy to, you know, give my perspectives on this, you know, you got it. Thanks. Are you I, ready? I am ready.
1: Jeff Lloyd with Patricia Trainer here from On Giants. Um, a lot of connections between the Browns and the Giants. Obviously, they're both going to play in 2020. So as we dig for all season content, we figured it'd be a good time here. We can revise the trade. And obviously, we talked about how the coaching staffs are coming together here. Uh, Patricia, obviously, you know, Kevin Zeitler, Jabril Peppers, some draft picks. Olivier Vernon move, obviously, for a much different reason than Odell Beckham Jr. But, uh, you know, I know Kevin Zeitler did more for that team than just throw a really good Thanksgiving this year.
0: Yeah, he did. I mean, look, the Giants got a starting right guard. They, you know, they weren't going to resign. Apparently, uh, Jamon Brown, who had filled, finished this previous season for them at that role. Uh, they got a guy who was a, a solid pass blocker, a road grader. The offensive line as a whole had its struggles. And a lot of that, I think, was not necessarily the fault of Zeitler, but more more or less the guys around him combined with the coaching and the schemes that they were asked to play. But Zeitler was an absolute warrior. I think he only missed one game. And quite frankly, I think they had to take his helmet and hide it to keep him off the field, even though he was he was pretty banged up. He had a shoulder injury most of the year, but really a tremendous acquisition for the Giants and and when you consider that they made the trade Olivier Vernon and got uh Kevin Zeitler in return the Giants were probably going to cut Olivier Vernon and end up getting nothing I mean we see that all too often where a guy is a salary cut uh casualty and the team gets nothing in return so for Dave Gettleman to get something in return uh via a trade that that was a pretty sweet deal I thought
1: Oh, I mean, anytime you can get something for nothing. And, you know, they were at the point of, you know, they had to, you know, revamp on the defensive line. And, you know, they obviously valued, uh, you know, the inline blocking more than Cleveland did at the time. Uh, for me, if you had managed the draft better, you could have kept Kevin Zeitler and you could have had some fine young edge rushers. So be it for another day, John Dorsey. Um, but that, you know, and I, I can't just, you know, the Zeitlers, they're just great people. And, That's the type of guy you want coming in to your building. You want a guy who, A, loves the job he has, appreciates it, and treats it as such, and that's the kind of guy that Kevin Zeitler is. Obviously, Jabril Peppers' season ended a little bit early, but Patricia, talk about, uh, obviously, Jabril got to go back home here.
0: Yeah, he's a a Jersey guy, and uh, coming back, you know, it it was very interesting. He was a guy who I don't think has come anywhere close to hitting his ceiling. He still has a ways to go. But he was a solid player. He brought a little bit of swag to the team. Um, The swag almost reminded me of what Antron Roll brought to the team years ago. Not quite on that level, but, you know, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Now, uh, Jabril Peppers was part of a defense that, unfortunately, underproduced. Not all of that is on the players. Some of it is, but, you know, the defensive schemes and what they were asked to do and just some of the decisions made were just absolute head scratchers and you just wonder if they had had a little bit better scheme that fit the talents of the players how much more effective would they have been now Jabril Peppers I think is definitely a piece moving forward for the Giants they just hired Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator I'm very much interested in seeing how they deploy Peppers in that defense is he going to be you know, primarily the box safety is he going to alternate with uh, whether it be Julian Love or whoever they get it free safety and, and just, you know, switch up the roles. But I like Jabril Peppers as sort of that pseudo linebacker type of role, a guy who can come down and play down in the box and, you know, cover the running backs coming out, but also drop back and whatnot. Now, if they get it Isaiah Simmons, obviously all that changes. But you know, if they don't, I think the Giants have something there with Jabril Peppers. And I still like that that acquisition. It's interesting
1: you brought up the name Isaiah Simmons because one of the things when everybody talks about the prospect that Isaiah Simmons is, is and he can do this, he can do this, he can do this, he can do this. That's fantastic. But the problem is is when he's doing this, who's gonna do that? And I, I love where you, you tied in the Peppers thing. We thought, yeah, he could have probably played some dime linebacker, he could have played some nickel linebacker. And that was the that's the joy of what you have with a guy like Jabral Peppers is he could play up by the line of scrimmage. He was getting better 10 to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. You get some man coverage with him. Now, if you want to find a reason where you get nervous about taking Isaiah Simmons and, well, if we're going to have him do all these things, who's going to do the other? Those are two guys that could work in unison, and it would really help your defense because you can kind of disguise them when they can both do similar things, obviously different body types. When they can both do similar things, you can't necessarily read right away what they're doing, There's matches that make me nervous with Isaiah Simmons. That wouldn't be one because essentially you're playing with, you know, two type of chess pieces that can do many, many things. And those two would work together because what you worry about with Simmons when, you know, you're going to take him a little bit out of the box and do other things with him is, well, who can do those things? Those two players would work well together.
0: Oh, I definitely agree. I definitely agree and you know what not to 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 side uh, Julian Love and the progress he showed um the, the guy has some nice uh, you know speed I think he um he, he did covered well on the deep end I'd like to see them maybe move Julian Love to the slot cornerback spot and if they can get an Isaiah Simmons boy I I I would be doing cartwheels up and down route 3 outside of the stadium
1: <laughs> it would be. And the other thing is, is, you know, you're you're just infusing another athlete into your defense. And the only way you're going to combat these teams that can continuously put up 30 points a week uh, you know, it, you've got to be able to run with them. You've got to be able to move with them. You've got to have guys that can go sideline to sideline. And that would just be adding another one for the Giants. Definitely a, you know, definitely an interesting pairing. Um, I know a lot of talk now is at the offensive tackle position. I'm not so sure about that. Why not go get yourself one more? you know, toy on defense. And even for the Giants, if they wanted to, they could probably trade down a little bit from four and maybe weigh their options there. Um, now, uh, obviously, new staff coming here with the Giants as well. You know, not all in place yet, um, but Joe Judge. And kind of interesting because, you know, in this musical chairs of the head coaches search, Josh McDaniels' name was essentially everywhere. And who's the man without the chair today is said Josh McDaniels. But Joe Judge and the staff he's putting together, Patricia.
0: You know what? I... So far, I I would say I like it. Um, a lot of teachers, a lot of guys who are um, you know ha- have a lot of experience. I like that he has a few more guys who have actually played the positions that they are going to coach. I, I've spoken to players about that in the past, and I've said, "What does you know a guy who has actually played the position bring to the table that a guy who hasn't played it at your level not bring?" And and the consensus is is when they have a guy who's been there, done that. It just makes it up for a better relationship and a better learning experience. So I kind of like how Joe Judge is, is mixing everything up. Now, I'm very curious to see how they plan to plug in two of the, the hires uh, that they have reportedly made who had Brown's connections, that being Freddie Kitchens and Jody Wright. Uh, my guess as we record this is that Kitchens is probably going to get the tight ends role, whereas Wright is probably going to be a floater, um, which I believe is the same role he had in Cleveland. So I'm really curious to see how that all plays out. But so far the coaching staff that Joe Judge is putting together, um, I I don't have very many qualms with it. And,
1: And at this time of year and before you see everything, and that's what everybody's, Oh, you seem so positive. Well, I mean, What reason do you not have to be positive? We haven't seen anything that's going to show us otherwise. Everybody should look good in the beginning. Obviously, an organization like the New York Giants, they shouldn't have that much trouble getting people to come work for them. They're quite established. Um, Your judge was an interesting name, but uh, look, I mean, anytime you can go shake a vine off that Belichick tree, it's not the worst idea in the world. You're getting well-schooled guys. You're getting guys that – can come into a situation and don't, don't necessarily have to say this is the way it's going to be because they've done everything up in New England. Offensive, defense, they've switched it up. They've been a running team. They've been a throwing team. They've been a tight end heavy team. They've been a wide receiver heavy team. You know, Defensively, uh, we'll play seven D-backs. We'll play one D-lineman at this time. We're going to play four linebackers. We're going to play uh, another safety as a linebacker. It actually looks like we're playing – I mean, so these guys come in with such uh, a deep knowledge of so many things. You take what you feel is in front of you And you apply what you can to it. And that's what you get when you start shaking. I mean, you look at the job, obviously, that Flores did down in Miami last year. They had no business winning any games. You went through that roster. It was a who in the world are these guys. But he had a plan each week, week in, week out, and was able to execute it and had players buy in. That's what you get when you go shaking on, you know, Bill's tree like they did. So, you know, and it'll be interesting, obviously, with Freddie there. And obviously with Jody, what you're getting is you're getting a little, you know, judge has kind of got like you know, his little clique, his guys, all coaches do, and you always find room for your guys, for your boys to come in uh, you know, any situation. So, you know, you always want somebody that knows you. You don't have to get you know, you don't have to get past the the weirdness and the learning each other and yada yada yada, that type of stuff. It's gonna be quite interesting how it works out. Obviously, being in New York, being the New York Giants, and it's gonna be judged heavily it's also going to be judged heavily because it'll be the post Eli Manning era there's a lot going on his plate but look there's there's a lot of young talent there's a lot more young talent coming see how they hit the ground running
0: yeah that's going to be very interesting you're, there's a, a lot of change um but you're, you're right at this point of at, in the calendar year a lot of optimism and until we kind of see these guys in action till we start talking with them getting player feedback and you know we have no reason to really say they hired so and so or yay they hired this guy i know for me again as we record this the giants have not um you know been linked to a definite Offensive line coach, that to me is going to be one of their most important hires because, you know, the offensive line, it, it, let's face it, if they don't fix that and get that unit moving forward, this team, they can bring in all the, they can bring in 20 Vince Lombardis and, and 10 Bill Belichick's and they still wouldn't go any further.
1: <laughs> um, well, that's definitely the feeling uh, in Cleveland. I mean, there is a large amount of the fan base that would say, look, I don't care if you hire the three Stooges at this point. If it leads to W's, we don't care. We just want W's. We want to be talking about January football, not from the couch. They want to be sitting in the stands. They want playoffs. I think they've waited long enough.
0: Yeah, so do the the Giant fans have too. I'm not as long as, as you know, Cleveland. But, you know, <laughs> look, I'm getting a little tired of sitting home in January and early February and working on draft stuff and free agency and, and, and evaluations and all that stuff. I want playoffs, darn it.
1: I can't blame you. And, uh, you know, obviously with the senior bowl being this week and it's like, oh. and you know, my buddy Pete Smith, who does most of the shows with me, he's down there and it's like, yeah, this is great. You know, but, but, and you know, you look at our, uh, friends over at uh, locked on chiefs and obviously, you know, locked on, <clears throat> locked on 49ers and what the shows are getting to put out right now that'd be a lot more fun to talk about right now as opposed to um are we ranking this offensive tackle too high in the top 10 or too low in round 3 in the middle of January
0: um absolutely i mean look it's time for a change i mean you look at what the 49ers did how they went from the bottom of the barrel and now here they are they're they're competing for the super bowl i mean Who's to say that maybe the Giants or even the Browns might not be next?
1: Now, one year ago, the San Francisco 49ers staff was down in Mobile, Alabama, coaching the Senior Bowl.
0: Yeah. That's now they I
1: mean. are getting ready to uh, take the act on down to Miami. So it can be done. It just obviously, you know, you got to hit. Uh, the money you spend, the draft picks you you, you spend, you, you got to hit on them. Uh, you know, Obviously, they, Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from his injury worked out well. But there's also – Moves that, you know, at the time don't look like anything. Uh, Raheem Mostert, who pretty much wore a practice squad jersey for every team in the NFL, and then eventually got the opportunity. And now here he is, you know, a star of the NFC Championship game. Just got to make smart moves and, you know, obviously hope your plan is in place, and hopefully you have the guys to teach said plan.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, teaching is so important, and that's certainly what the Giants have have looked to do, to do rather with uh, – with, with, um you know, their staff and, you know, I just want to see better football. I, I, I sit on Twitter, you know, a lot. I interact with the fans and I, I hear their frustration and their pain and their, their anger. And, you know, I don't know how much I'm able to, to, you know, provide uh, what's the word I want comfort. Um, There really is none. And and I got to admit, even, even with me, like sometimes after a game, I just would get on the show on Monday and I'd be like, Guys, I just don't know what to say because I just could not explain what I had seen, you know. So, hopefully, better times ahead.
1: Uh, it was funny. The uh, week fifteen, week fifteen or week sixteen, it was the Arizona game, and we went to do the post game show. And I actually just started it by playing Taps. You know that because that's where we were. The fans were there. You knew it was the end of Freddie Kitchens. The players were there. This is when Jarvis Landry had lit into Freddie Kitchens, and you just you know, Kenyon Drake looked like you know the second coming of uh, Jim Brown that day. It was just you know, you just get to a point where it's frustrating and, you know, and you try and you try to look in the good you try to look in, you know, the bad. And then, then when you look at your notes and you go to sit down you're like, well, okay, wait, I I know I broke down that positive thing. Is it on page two? Is it on page three? Damn it. Where was the positive? Yeah, it's,
0: it's, I'll tell you what though, in the seasons that, that both of our teams had, you know, you look at, it's, it, I think it's a lot easier to remember the positives because they were, I, I dare say, few and far in between, as opposed to the negatives, which were just countless. So, um, here's hoping that we have a lot more positives, you know, to talk about, and and uh, especially, you know, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to our till teams uh, play each other. Uh, they're on the schedule for 2020. I think that's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to it. And obviously, the storylines. I mean, and, you know, whether it's Odell. Uh, You know, whether it would be Baker Mayfield and obviously the Daniel Jones thing. Um, You know, there was a lot of talk here in Cleveland. Oh, just take Saquon Barkley at one and everyone, whatever quarterback is available after four. Um, And like I said, I I think there's probably a good chance that that probably turns out somehow into a primetime game. I don't know if maybe they're going to ban the Browns because they gave a lot of primetime last year. It didn't work out so well, but that would have the makings and the storylines for probably a a pretty good primetime slate.
0: Oh, there's no question that's going to be a prime time game. I mean, you could you could put that in your calendar, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a, a mid mid year type of thing. You know, to boost ratings, or you know, or who knows? Maybe it'll be in the beginning, but I would if I were with the schedule makers, I would save that for like mid year, maybe even down the line. No, but I, I could.
1: There's no question I could de- definitely see it. Um, You know, when, you know, obviously young quarterbacks always sell and, you know, look the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees's and the Phillip Rivers of the world. They're not going to be around forever. So, you know, everyone's smart as far as, you know, what they're putting on the TVs. And so you're going to start pushing that next generation.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's exciting. You know, I always like to see how the new teams, you know, the, the the new rosters take place and what the strengths are. And who knows, maybe you find somebody, you know, who who emerges as a as a star that you weren't counting on.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely you know, and you know, the, and that's one of the things for the Browns because they're they're 2019 draft, you know, obviously with seventeen going in the New York Giants. You know, you got Greedy Williams in round two who you thought was gonna be a good player, He missed a month, struggled a lot. He played well before he got hurt. Then the month he missed, it, it just you know, he had a really, really, really tough time after that. So you're, you know, new defensive coordinator supposedly coming in sounds like a man-to-man guy, which is right up Greedy Williams' you know, alley. Um, you got two young linebackers, Mac Wilson played a lot, not exactly so successful. You need some growth from those. What are going to be your second-year players, and you know, whatever you know, rookie class, and whatever they do at ten, and you know, they better hit hard. And hopefully, it does go offensive tackle because that's going to be the biggest need, and you, you just can't go three years in a row without getting a serious addressing to the left tackle position.
0: Uh, giant fans feel your pain. I mean, Nate Soldier, great guy. They had to overpay for him, obviously, because of, you know, Eric Flowers being such a major bust. Um, how much of, of Soldier's issues were a result of injuries, which I suspect were a big part of it. But, yeah, moving forward, the Giants are going to need a, a left tackle as well. I mean, I, I would like to see them try and get a tackle in the draft that they can develop.
1: Well, it's the class for it. And it's looking like it's a strong offensive line class. And, you know, if you're going to put all of this into these, you know, young quarterbacks and, you are you know, basically this is what, you know, GMs and coaching staffs, you're banking on it. You better, but you better do your best to put these guys in the best position to succeed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be so important.
1: Well, looking it over, I, th- I think we covered it all. And Patty and I were actually d- messaging last night. She wanted to be, do a short sp- uh, spot for her on her show on uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens and them going there. And I said, wait a minute. Maybe we should throw this into a crossover. Because And within about two minutes, we realized that we had a, a f- you know, pretty good episode to do here. We were able to cover a lot. Obviously, a lot is tied together. Um, they play again, uh, yeah. obviously, in 20. So you know Freddie's going to get to be on the sidelines. Odell, most likely in the building. Baker. Daniel Jones, uh, you know, two franchises, hopefully making their way forward in the standings, but, uh, you know, also have done enough to, so to speak, wash each other's back.
0: Definitely. I mean, again, I, I can't believe we've got to go so long without football. It feels like, you know, (laughs) we wait all this time for football to come. And then the the two teams, they disappoint you. And then it's like, okay, now we've got to wait what, nine months until we, see meaningful football again from our team so i'm just hoping that 2020 is a better year for for you know the giants uh, hopefully it'll be a better year for the browns for you guys and uh, who knows maybe down the line you never know maybe one day we might see the giants and the browns in the super bowl wouldn't that be cool
1: uh i <laughs> i think i'd fall off my chair um, <laughs> i I'd just Let's just – I just – just January, I, I, I want a playoff game. I, I just – I want at least that. And, look, I'm, I'm not even going to be choosy. It doesn't even have to be a home one. Show me that enough work has been done and that one plan is finally looking like it's going somewhere so you don't have to sit here at the end of each season and say, well, we need a new coach. Or two years later, guess what? We need a coach energy, Or, oh, you know, front office doesn't seem to be getting it done. Or this roster stinks get some sort of nucleus a foundation going where you can actually get the ball down the road and it doesn't have to get off at the next exit because there's already an issue with it.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, the giants have, have the last, uh, they've gone through what, three coaches in the last, what I want to say five years, six years or something like that. It's time to have some stability and just move forward and, and start building something here. And, Again, fingers crossed that that, that they finally <laughs> got it right.
1: Nope, same over here. And look, I mean, you know, you think you have some of the key components in place. You know, obviously, you know, the Giants, I'm pretty sure they think they have their quarterback. You got Saquon Barkley. Uh, you got some guys on the outside who can make some plays. The Browns, confident in Baker Mayfield, confident in their running back in Nick Chubb. Got some guys on the outside. Got a pass rusher. You know, there's enough to work with, um, should either one of these teams be drafting in the top five or the top ten? Probably not, but so you hope with the changes you made up top that takes these teams and and gets them to be more productive than you know than they were unable to show in this in the previous season, you know a lot of it's on the players, but a lot of it's on the plan that's put into place, and you know here for better days, hopefully
0: yeah, fingers crossed on that because uh I don't know about you, my friend, but I'm tired of the losing
1: oh no it's 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 tough, and this year it was. It, it was hard not to be confident. And we were, we were really excited. And it just, you know, from that opening week loss to Tennessee, um, where they kind of looked tired for week one, which was, whew, and then, you know, you get a win and then it was two and two after beating Baltimore in Baltimore. And it was like, all right. And then they went on out to San Francisco and, you know, they got smacked around, like they stole something from their dad. And it was just, wow, this, this team does have some serious flaws, and the offense was never able to score like it was supposed to, which you know kind of put the defense you know on its heels most of the time. And then the defense you know suffered some significant losses, and there was just no way they were going to rebound.
0: Well, again, fingers crossed that better days are ahead because it's it's just I can't speak for you guys, but I, I just see the toll that it's taken on the Giant fans. I, I looked at the social media comments, the letters to the editor, the questions I got on the podcast, and. Folks, all I could say is just keep the faith. Better days are—they got to be ahead because they can't get much worse, unfortunately.
1: Pretty much, yeah. And if I ever have to cover another, you know, drafting number one overall, I I think that might be just too much for me, Patty,
0: (laughs) for us both.